As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you Why mad? You mad? Okay, now we're fucking recording. the The first five minutes was just it was just I was just testing you, Jake. Hi, Jake. <laughs> Hi, Lisa. Hi, I'm finally recording. Uh, nice to talk to you again. How you been? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I did that on my other podcast earlier, so it's uh, it's all right. It's it's great. It was a dry run. Yeah. And I love to hear though that you're in a in a good place mentally and feeling good about shit. And therefore have the time and the mental space to think too much about a stand-up special. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about this. Okay. Um, right. Let's dive back right back into it. We, well, I was literally was right here where we started. Yeah, over. yeah, yeah. We were at the intro. We were at the intro when I realized that I did not hit record people. But we're fine now. We recovered. <laughs> what happens? It's always good when you catch it in the beginning. As yeah. Opposed to the end. Um, okay. So I was telling you that I'm feeling pretty good which I'm suspicious of because I'm a neurotic person like Mark Marin. Uh, you know, you can't feel good without going, what the fuck? What's the, what's the catch? You know? Yeah. Um, but part of it is that I watched the special and I was like, it made me like, honestly, it was very validating of a lot of my own views, but it made me feel good about comedy in general because like, you know, a lot of what we talk about on the show is how like, like um and a lot of stuff in general like if you just are like a leftist and you ha have that lens and you understand like history and what's happening shit's bleak which is conveniently what he starts off with talking about the the special is called from bleak to dark and mm. uh, you know, it kind of seems like also like comedy's bleak because the only thing that's profitable is this fucking hacky pandering like right wing shit or whatever or like yeah or you can only do liberal comedy if you're rich or whatever stuff like that you know it sucks and it really it's why I'm usually pretty bummed out about comedy but to see someone do it and to point that out it's like and to see someone point that out and like pull all this stuff off it's, it's just like I don't know it's just inspiring on a basic level no need to over explain that right it's just fucking cool. Yeah. But basically, what this premise, uh, what the special is, and I'm gonna spoil it if uh, it is possible to spoil something like this, but I don't think it is. I don't think it's like a necessarily like a thing that's gonna be anything's taken away from if you know the structure of it before going in. But if you were a super comedy head, turn this off, I guess, and go watch it. Pause First, here. Yeah, it's not though. It's not like an M Night Shyamalan. It's just a thematic <laughs> arc thing that's fucking good. Is <sighs> It's called From Bleak to Dark, right? And, like, he comes out, and the first thing he does is he just starts talking about how fucking bleak everything is. And he's just like, shit's fucked up. And he really directly confronts, like, why shit's fucked up. And he talks about stuff in his own industry in a way that is, like, most comedians are cowards and wouldn't do this. So he starts going yeah. into Joe Rogan. They didn't name him, but it's, like, very clear. He very yeah. clearly references Jordan Peterson. He talks about anti-woke comedians and yeah. he talks about how they're fucking losers and they're all turning into Nazis. He confronts fascism, uses the word fascism instead of, you know, vaguely alluding to it or this is a really important thing. I think to me, he doesn't do this both sides bullshit that comedians always do. Yeah. They're like left is crazy and the right's crazy. He clearly has like a historical literacy. He talks about this honestly, frankly, as a Jew and he's talking about the yeah. fascism shit and He's talking about how this has happened before and it's all happened all over again and shit is headed in a really bad direction because of the way that people are thinking and stuff like that. And 
he really lays into fucking anti-woke shit like directly like if you listen to the show you you know who we're all talking about right yeah. uh the same people from that stupid fucking uh oh god uh tucker carlson thing which we can talk about later but um he does that and and he explains directly the fallacy of logic in anti-woke comedy which is that they claim to be about free speech um but they also want to be free of consequences and you know the thing that you're complaining about when you're uh an anti-woke comic is not censorship it's just the consequences of what you're talking about that's it you're the free man in paradise you can literally say whatever you want you just don't get to not get criticized for it or whatever shit we've been over a million times in the show right yeah. But what's brilliant about this fucking special is that he does that, and I'm like watching this, and I'm like, man, this is cool. Like, Marin came out with a fucking anti-fascist comedy special. That's like, that's great, you know? Yeah. And then he moves though, and you're watching it, and you're like, okay, it's a comedy special. People tend to move through topics and stuff like that. He moves into talking about his uh, his dad's like dementia and stuff like that, and his like toxic relationship with his parents and stuff like that. And then he talks a little bit about like. Some other stuff, uh, his weird relationship with his mom, you know, marriage stuff or whatever. And then it keeps getting darker and darker and darker. And eventually he gets to telling the story about his uh, girlfriend, live-in partner, serious girlfriend that yeah. died during 2020. And yeah. it's like really heavy. And obviously, you know, and it's like, we've seen this before. We've seen like Patton Oswalt specials and stuff like that. I mean, he's going to do the thing, right? He's going to use stand-up comedy and like work through this thing. But he talks about it a lot. And he questions like whether he should even do that. And he talks about the, uh, you know, the, the, like the dilemma that an artist has with something like this, where they're like, can you even make this into comedy? Should you? Uh, Will it be funny? Would she be okay with it? All this stuff. And he goes through it. And he explains his reasoning for wanting to do it, which is he started doing comedy because he saw in stand-up comedy that people could take really, really the darkest stuff in life, disarm it, and explore it via stand-up, yeah. which is exactly what anti-woke comedians say they're doing. Remember that fucking haunted house are, thing that yeah. Whitney What's-Her-Face said? Yeah. Um, but they're not. And then he proceeds to finish the rest of the special and the last like half hour of it, if you pay attention, is nothing but him ex- just moving through the darkest subject matter possible. If you're taking note, it doesn't feel like it, though. But if you're writing down all the topics, he goes through like murdering children, abortion, <laughs> for his dead girlfriend, uh, like a lot of death, um, f- politically fucked up shit euthanizing animals killing your own kids like crazy shit but he performs it so thoughtfully and so well that he doesn't fucking fall into any of the pitfalls that anti-war comedians fall into and this will not be like a controversial special and there won't be any stupid thing and he'll never engage in any of the oh you're silencing me stuff like you can tell that's the intention and it's very subtle but the intention is to demonstrate that as like a fucking reference to all the shit he was talking about in the beginning so it's like a huge dunk on fascist comedy which is so but it's also highly personal and it's just like man i i fucking love marin man i really it got me going 
That sounds awesome and beautiful. I really, I haven't seen it yet. I am excited to watch it now that you said that, you know, because you never know how a special is going to go with a comic, uh, especially when you don't like regularly watch live working out on stuff. Yeah. You know, you don't really know where they're going to be now as opposed to like a year ago or two years ago or however long ago their last special was. But what's really interesting about you bringing this up is that if you recall last week, um, I talked to you about the Lopez sitcom, remember? Oh, yeah, I heard we were wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. Uh, it's not that I was wrong, Jake, but it, it brings up something to discuss. It's a why you mad situation to discuss because so if anybody didn't listen, basically last week, what I was telling you was, you know, I want to say I'm not ever really vouching for the person. You never know who people are in real life. I'm vouching for the art, right? And what I was saying to you last week was that the George Lopez's new sitcom, I thought, was something like what you're saying about Marin, right? It It is, the sitcom itself is something that is not um, reifying all the macho old bullshit that 90s George Lopez would have talked about in a sitcom. Uh-huh. It's like... Uh, challenging himself and his his old opinions and all of this and it clearly has the influence of his daughter and maybe other younger writers and whatever so i was like i think this is an example of a comic who isn't aging badly sort of like what you're saying about mark maron yeah except then like literally five minutes after we stopped recording i got a text message from someone that was like yo did you hear about this shit (laughs) and i was like what the fuck and i click on the tiktok and so like george lopez has a podcast right in which he has a co-host uh like another latino co-host and i i don't know they're like old dudes doing a podcast i guess right and they had a guest on who's a latin like a uh what do you call him a west coast latin comedian named steve trevino oh yeah i opened for him once you did oh okay so steve was on there and he brings up the fact that he thinks this other young latin comic named ralph barbosa is really funny right and he's like Uh bigging him up on george lopez's podcast which is like a nice thing to do right everybody's like wow like don't you agree that's really nice if you went on a big podcast and you bring up another comic that you're like i think this comic is good totally that's a nice thing to do george lopez's response to this jake like you can see it it's like one of these podcasts that have video and everything and his response to this is like why are you even bringing up this guy's name do you know him and fucking steve is like no i just think he's like a funny young latino you know and we need to like help out our own you know <laughs> and george yeah. lopez is like no no we don't <laughs> like he's straight <laughs> up is like you know does he know you is he helping you out like that's not the way shit works and so he like very that's blatantly awesome. it sucks dude so he very blatantly lays out this like old timey mentality of like there can only be one you know and i think it's something that we often talk about in terms of like black comics or women but i think we are outgrowing that with black women i mean sorry with black comics and and women comics you know whereas with latinos it's still like maybe one per show and so then we hear things like so paul rodriguez so somebody made like a compilation of basically like people calling out george lopez for the fact that he pulls the ladder up behind him yeah And this is something I had never heard before this week, Jake. I had no idea. 
So Paul Rodriguez, you know him, right? So he's like one of the OGs, right? Yeah. And he's like sick and dying and shit. And there's like a him on a podcast on tape being like, yeah, no, it sucks, man, because George Lopez, he's so funny. But we all know how he is when he would work the casinos. He would tell the casinos that part of his contract was like, if you have me under contract, you can't book any other Latinos. That sucks. Yeah, dude. So even for someone like Rodriguez, who came up in the 70s to be telling you like, yo, that is not the right way to go. Cheech, you know, Cheech Marin, he uh, is like one of the largest collectors of Mexican-American art. Really? He, yeah, he like uh, has used all of his platform and money to platform other Latino artists of other kinds. So there was this whole like 70s um, Chicano sort of global view, worldview that existed for a minute with artists, with Mexican artists. Mm-hmm. And then like George Lopez missed that era and he came in after in the sort of like 80s well sure he came in during the reagan 80s man yeah exactly and so you know like one clip that i saw starts with this like latino dude who has like a podcast where he interviews people and he's like you know yeah sure like george lopez doesn't owe anybody anything he did work his way up without anybody's help all this shit but like damn it does hurt our feelings, George, <laughs> that you like don't think it's your responsibility at all to like turn around and pull some people up with you. Damn. He's so fucking like uh active about that too, is like Well, but then it seems like he's like that with his family too, right? Because doing a uh a sitcom with his daughter who can't really act, if we're being honest. Uh is sort of that Kevin Smith shit of like I work with the people that I love no matter what and yeah. I support them but then it turns out he's like that for blood but not for raza and that's fucking weird. Oh yeah, totally. I've been thinking about that a lot lately about um why I'm like I think my views are starting to become scary to people because like uh I the way everything is set up right now you know the phase of history we're living in and everything and capitalism and liberalism and everything and like having all this scarcity and shit and and climate disaster imminent i think a lot of like small business owners uh like have kids and then they immediately justify all of the exploitation they engage in with like the the crazy kids yeah, yeah, the blood stuff of like, I, you mm-hmm. know, because you have that like drive apparently when you have yeah. all the chemicals in your brain where you're just like, I'll cut off my own hand to save this kid, you know? So they just immediately hit. So that's why I'm kind of like, you shouldn't have kids because it's going to make you exploitive of other people kind of inherently in a way you can't even fucking control, you know? So I'm yeah. kind of an antinatalist, I guess. <laughs> like fucking everyone should stop breeding until we figure this shit out, you know? <laughs> Same, man. Same. <laughs> I've been saying it for years, Jake. Glad you're uh, coming out and uh, vocalizing it. Uh, I knew you'd get there <laughs> without well, I, anything from me. <laughs> I mean, I guess I already felt that way, but like, yeah. uh, it's just to, to really articulate it, it is pretty bleak because like, I don't know if there's a way to do this that isn't like, I don't know. You, you just, you have so many friends that are like, oh, you know, but we're going to like do it better or whatever compromising yeah, yeah. no and that's what i mean it's time. like it's kind of what we're yeah i was trying to t- tell you last time and i don't know if i really like articulated it well 
but that's what I mean is like uh, a lot of what gets framed as leftism today in America is actually like progressive liberalism, I guess, where all that it's trying to do is make uh, the hegemonic capitalist patriarchal white institutions more palatable to more people but not actually fix or change anything. Yeah. And I I don't know. I think this is like a, you know, uh, so like the George Lopez thing, for example. And I, I know art is not like the real world, but it is uh, an intellectual exercise. It provides an intellectual exercise. So um, I was crediting George Lopez because his, I thought artistically he was um, moving forward, right? He wasn't, uh, and digging down, like doubling down by making this different kind of sitcom. But then when I learned some new information about how his personal beliefs and his personal behavior is in real life, then, and then I hear you talk about Mark Marin actually pushing that board, that uh, line, you know, how every fucking edgy commie thing comic thinks that they're like pushing a boundary but right, he's like actually doing it. yeah he's actually doing it and he's actually doing it not through a safe vehicle of like a sitcom with multiple actors and writers and other people you could displace uh responsibility onto he's doing it through stand-up in which he is the only responsible uh voice and writer and performer of this right and so it is so much braver than what i was giving lopez credit for And then I had to sit back and think about, so if Lopez is the kind of guy who in his real life is not really that progressive, is not really supportive of changing systems, he apparently is only supportive of individualistic achievement and therefore only cares about himself and his people, then what does it mean that he did manage to produce a sitcom that serves more progressive ends, right? Yeah. And it and it really there is no other answer than it is pandering in the same way that right-wing comics pander to their audiences. So he's smart enough to be to like read the room and yeah. be like, "Okay, what will sell now is if I admit that I wasn't a great dad and I admit I wasn't a great husband and I I was kind of thinking that like Yeah. That was the critique of it that was lingering in my head when you were telling me about it. Yeah. It's like uh that is just the other flavor of stuff that people sell now, you know? Totally. Just, and the just, only reason I didn't think that though is because I thought that he was that, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's like sort of like the way a lot of people were disappointed by CK and I'm not equating what CK did with uh lopez's views and shit it's not the same thing at all yeah but i mean the feeling of i thought who he was presenting to me artistically was who he really was what's weird yeah right right it's like so betraying when you realize like he was bullshitting you like he didn't have or he was playing you yeah yeah um Mm -hmm. yeah i mean but there is also this weird thing okay i mean ck is a good like example of this possibly i guess where you go, maybe they did mean it when they wrote mm-hmm. the thing, right? But the fact that they're not willing to, um, like in Louis C.K.'s case, uh, you know, be consistent enough to, like, yeah. 
to to follow through on his his, propo- his supposed values that you're getting well, from Well, to his turn stand-up. that that critical eye on himself, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, when he wrote his like apology when it first stuff when that stuff first happened, it sounded like well, he but he wrote an open ended one that was like, "I'm gonna yeah. think about this." So you're like, "He's, he's maybe <laughs> yeah. going to go figure this out and then come back and go, okay, I, f- I figured out exactly, you know, fucking self criticism." No, work. he he came back and he was like, "Here's my special that I'm selling myself right dollars on my website." <laughs> that's what's so crazy about this. He does this move that a lot of these guys do where they just like um, they're like, hmm. All right, I'm going to be reflecting on this. And then, like, they don't do a second part to that. And then they just release a special and you go, what? Yeah. But anyway, anyway, uh, back to fucking George Lopez, though. That thing you're just talking about where you're like pandering to liberals, but then having like uh, not progressive, um, you know, like personal practices. Yeah. I mean, if, if, what if the case was that George Lopez really meant what he's trying to say, like the progressive stuff in the art? But then simultaneously, his like he divorces his personal practices from that. The same way you always talk about like leftists that are like yeah. trad or whatever. You doing the thing where you're like stepping on the gas and the brakes at the same time, so they basically cancel yeah. each other out. So it's got to be either that, or at the end of the day, you go, no, this is meaningless without consistency. Like one or the other. I I don't really know how to how to how to frame what the difference it's not but you know we have to be honest and say the third option is also that he is a republican (laughs) and that (laughs) a lot of he just understand yeah man because like uh you know like uh i think a lot of the right-wing people they're not necessarily like democrats or anything but they there's some of them that don't necessarily believe what they're selling they're just selling it because it sells and it's their job and I think we have to recognize that on the progressive side of things, there for sure have to be charlatans who are selling us what sells to us and privately voting a different way and acting a different way. And, you know, I, I don't know George Lopez personally, but to hear something like this that um, really shows a sort of conservative, old school mentality of like, there can only be one and I have to step on all other people like me to get to the top uh, and I have to guard my own success and never ever reach back and help somebody up. That's not leftist, man. That's not progressive. That's not cool. <laughs> you know, that's not... Brown. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like, yeah, it's not in any way cool. So it's like, damn, how how can you have um, sort of progressive views on like family stuff? The only way is sort of being a fucking Republican and being like, you know, some some version of us of a centrist Republican, right? Where you believe that family values are so important that they are enough for you to question your behavior, but you don't go so far as to question your behavior as far as it goes within capitalism and within patriarchy and within uh, racial hierarchy. Sure. I mean, I kind of have this thing where like, um, I think that when a lot of times it helps people kind of feel better about all the social ills and evils and shit in the world, to rationalize people doing bad things as like, um, oh, 
oh, George Lopez is, you know, he goes home and he's like very deliberately, secretly evil about this, right? And he yeah. like laughs and he's like, I'm actually a Trump voter or whatever, but yeah. he's lying to us on his show. And I don't actually think that way. Like, I, I, my, Me either. Like, I think your point is right. What you were saying about like the family makes you selfish. Yeah. But also, like, yeah. what, I'm, what I'm getting at here is like, um, you know, ever since Trump, came about like uh you know as president and shit and like uh there's this weird mask off idea around where everyone's like oh my god they're marching in charlottesville and there's like nazis mm -hmm. again or whatever there's this thing where we um a lot of anti-fascist types will sort of argue like um you know they they know exactly what they're doing it's like a common phrase yeah. right they and that's yeah. that's the thing i'm kind of arguing against here is like uh because it'll be like, you know, they they say whatever they need to say to get by in public and then they go home and they have these secret meetings and then they're like Nazis or whatever. Yeah. But my theory personally is I'm more of a person who I believe in like realism that people live in. I think if you went around the country or whatever and you asked every single person in this country, are you racist? Like and you had a honesty machine, you know, like Wonder Woman's lasso or whatever. The people, everyone would answer, I am not racist. Everyone believes yeah. they're not, but engages in things that are. And like most people don't yeah. self identify that way. So, like, what's happening, I think, with someone like uh, who has a who has a, a, a schism where they're divorced between their personal politics and like the politics are in a thing that they're selling or making or whatever is that they don't understand that's a contradiction and that they yeah. sort of will rationalize it and say like ah you know but the world is just fucked up you got to do what you got to do right yeah. um but you know uh i'm a good guy that's the thing you hear all the time yeah. i'm a good guy you know and it's i'm a good person yeah. or whatever no one's fucking asking you that question you're just saying it to yeah. rationalize this thing so like i'm sure he sleeps at night thinking he's fucking uh that that uh it's unrealistic to consider the spectrum between the way he operates his career and the stuff he's saying as a as one fluid consistent thing i guess is what i'm getting at yeah no i think you're completely right um there for a long time also what we have been taught is to compartmentalize and to like learn that what we do even like somebody live a friend listens to the pod she's always like you guys keep teasing talking about severance but you never really talk about severance <laughs> <laughs> so i'm just gonna throw out one little thing there but uh the thing with severance that's kind of like enticing with that show is this like the whole premise the idea that people would want to have their consciousness severed into one is my work half and one is my free half is insane. It is only a product of capitalism mm -hmm. that would make you think that it would be healthy or helpful or in any way good to sever your consciousness into one that is all just a work person and another one that never knows what happens to you when you're at work and that you basically subsist on the slave labor of that other bifurcated half, right? Yeah. Um, and yet that is kind of what we do all the time when we insist on ideas like we don't take our work home and I'm not, uh, you know, like, you realize like Americans simultaneously hold the idea in their head that uh, if you love what you do, you won't work one day in your life or whatever the fuck that is. And then on the other side, also, I am not what I do. 
I am not my job. <laughs> right. And it's like, okay, buddy, <laughs> it can't be both. It has to be one or the other. Either you do what you love and you are what you do. And it's your fucking whole sense of meaning and, and satisfaction, or you do a thing because it is what makes you able to survive. And you're able to, in a healthy way, separate that time and that brain space and that emotional power and still have some left over for the things that actually matter to you in your life. That healthy bifurcation is a challenge to capitalism, not what's happening in severance. And what I think like someone like George Lopez is doing, where they're convincing themselves that the thing I do for work, this is the only way, this is the only way to get to the top. This is the only way to like keep uh, providing for my family but then privately, you want to convince yourself you're a good person, even though you're engaging in practices that push other people down. Yeah, it's cope. I think we did talk yeah. about severance finally a couple weeks ago, if I remember. I right. think so, too. But Liv insists that we just keep teasing it and we only like talk about it for a second and then we deviate. Oh, shut up, Liv. I don't want notes. <laughs> we did that a year ago when it came out because I watched it and you didn't. Baby. I know. I didn't know what the fuck you were talking about a year ago. I was like, I whatever. Was to, I was going around to everyone I know and going, you have to watch this. And everyone was like, it's on Apple TV. I don't know how to do that. And I was like, I know, Dude, but it's good. What's up with that? Apple TV is like a black hole of like, I'm like, holy shit. There's, I, so I just signed up again and mainly yeah. because I ran out on, on the other stuff. And I've been watching, did you know that M. Night Shyamalan has like a series on there? <laughs> no. That is no four seasons that. deep, Jake. What? It's on season four. Can you, you believe a, that shit? It's a movie too. What the fuck? It, yeah. yeah exactly. And then there's a movie coming out on Friday. That's why I signed up again, actually, because it's got Julianne Moore in it. And I like that redheaded bitch. So I was like, let me get in there. Okay. I sign up and then I discover there's fucking crazy amounts of content in there <laughs> that like nobody knows about. So I guess this is an Apple TV plug, but not really. It's sort of an Apple TV shaming of everyone that works over there. Because what are you guys doing? Why aren't you telling anybody about what's happening here? <laughs> why is it so hard to use your fucking platform? Um yeah. I want to come back up a little bit because I think this kind of yeah. connects the stuff we're talking about. But like, uh, did you see the Super Bowl? Mm -mm. Um, Jake, come on now. Why would I? I, yeah. I, I did, however. You know what's funny? Actually, today I realized that I don't know who won, but I do. I do know that Rihanna performed course, and that yeah. she didn't get paid, and that she possibly had a satanic pentagram on her belt. Okay. Well, let's discuss this because that's what i was please tell me inform me <laughs> yeah uh, rihanna performed and um i don't know it was i thought it was a pretty good performance like it was cool um there's a mild attempt from the right at making it some kind of controversy i can't really remember why i think the thing was that she didn't dance that much but the reason she didn't dance that much is because this performance is how she revealed to the world that she's pregnant she's pregnant again or something right yeah she got like a baby yeah. ball so like of course you're not gonna be like fucking out there moving your body all around. about yeah <laughs> also i frankly just thought it was cool like it kind of worked with like her vibe that like she had all these dancers that were around her and she was just very yeah. like like stoically just sort of like lounging around you mean her, her her whole vibe of like just aesthetically looking good while not producing any new content for the last seven years <laughs> sure well, <laughs> uh anyway sort of yeah i mean kind of. I, you had kind of like a like showed up to work and then was like i don't actually give a shit which i kind of respect my nails i know but, totally but 
Um, the thing about her is that uh, I didn't know this. She's a billionaire with a B. Did you know that? Yeah, and I did. She didn't take that fucking money. And there was like some stupid fucking capitalist magazine article about that that said, like, uh, this is a lesson she to artists. Yeah. She didn't take it because she knew the exposure or whatever. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know why she didn't take it. It fucking matter. But she um, she like pulled out a, a compact during the performance and like looked at her fucking face or something, which is supposedly yeah. caused, you know, according to this people th- that caused the stock in her company to go up, yada, 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 a bazillion dollars Ooh, or whatever. Fenty. <laughs> Fenty. Okay. So the thing about yeah. Fenty is that that's apparently her last name, I, which is unfortunate, uh, but yeah. apparently didn't cause any problems with her company because she's a fucking billionaire. Um, yeah. And it's an evil, whatever, capitalist, uh, you know, enterprise. And I almost don't even want to mention this because I feel like people are going to get stuck on this and lost in this. But they use like slave children labor or whatever. There's been a controversy about that. They use sweatshops, right? But that is not actually the point. Even if they didn't use unethical labor, it's still unethical. Yeah, if you're a billionaire, that shouldn't exist. And it's not even when people say like no one earns a billion dollars or whatever. Like there must be something wrong. No, it's, it's one of those things where like the story on the surface of forming a capitalist enterprise is the wrong part like the exploitation itself just business is fucking bad so like uh i i just i the reason i thought that was like kind of interesting is because i saw something we mentioned earlier which is like leftists that are just saying liberal shit on twitter yeah somebody like a big leftist account um talking about her on twitter and saying like um get that bag (laughs) or whatever and i was like how the fuck how are we all pretending to be communists for fucking six years and still we saying love that, that bag. bag. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. But that's well, Jake, what George Lopez is saying. <laughs> totally. No, exactly. This is absolutely connected. So this is what I would say to you. Okay. You know, I guess, I don't know. I am a De- Debbie Downer, I guess, in my life. I always have been. I am I, as, as young as I can remember. <laughs> I have been the person who's like, oh, are you enjoying this? Let me point out that XYZ makes you sad, <laughs> you know? But here's the thing. Um, the Super Bowl, I don't think is purely a thing of like, you love this sport and you enjoy it. So you are watching it. It, I, I hate to literally the to- only football game I watched this year. Well, yeah, no, but you're not a football fan, admittedly, right? Right. You don't watch football. Exactly. Right, correct. So to real football fans, um, I am sorry that the culmination of your season is this extremely capitalist event because nothing about it is so even, you know, I am a person who looks at sports often as an art, right? Because it's people who work their entire lives to be good at their talent and get somewhere with it, right? Mm-hmm. And I simultaneously can be happy and proud of, happy for and proud of the athletes on the field who are like achieving a great pinnacle of the thing that they do, right? But the spectacle that we are tuning in for is not for their athletic achievement, at least not most of us. What I see is people talking about tuning in for the commercials, Jake. That's one, okay? What fucking kind of psychotic nation (laughs) has produced an entire fucking audience of people 
who A, think marketing is a creative art and B, want to tune in because they can't be left out of what the new commercials were for the latest <laughs> corporations that can afford to pay $20 million for an ad during the Super Bowl. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, it sucks. It's insane. And it sucks. And it sucks that for actors, it's like a big deal if they get on these ads that people, it's like, dude, they talk. I hear more as a not football fan about the ads than I hear about the game. Like I said, I still don't know who won. Right. I think because of an ad, it might have been Kansas City. I'm not sure. And also because I didn't hear anything about Philadelphia setting shit on fire. So I imagine it was Kansas City. Right. Well, they do that whether they win or lose, but it was Kansas oh. City. Oh, OK. Yeah. See, I gather context clues. Um, huh? Yeah. Good game. Went right down to the wire. Well, see, and that's what I mean. Like, sucks that you are the first person to really get that across to me, that it was an actual good football game. <laughs> because... It was really cool. There were two black quarterbacks in the Super yeah. Bowl, which never wow. happens. Never. Yeah. No, totally. So that's interesting. But instead, all I hear about is this Rihanna stuff. So let's go back to it because there is also, uh, so I saw the right wing article that was like, Oh, look at Rihanna doing something for exposure. This is why all you other artists should be doing stuff for exposure, right? She's a billionaire and look at her choosing to perform for free. But there was also the other side that was being like, yay, a black woman, you know, being uh, headlining this shit. Yeah, she's a fucking uh, independent businesswoman. So we want to support her for that. Uh, all of this, like just capitalist framing and supporting where nowhere was art visible in what was happening. Right. It, um, it's just like a big marketing fair, <laughs> you know, like it is there for people like, why else would a billionaire be like, I will provide my labor and my art and my presence for free. Um, it kind of reminded me of how Trump, you know, apparently when you when you become the president, you can take a wage, like a salary or whatever, or yeah. you can uh, turn it down. And he was one of the ones that turned it down. Yeah. A lot of, um, you know, honestly, man, I used to work for these fucking uh, these George Lopez ass motherfuckers. These uh, yeah. <laughs> these two Ecuadorian brothers who owned a bar and were little small business tyrants. Yeah, and they were real weird because they started to pick up on my politics after a while, and then they started to have serious. They wanted to have serious conversations with me about shit. Like I think when they realized I am anti religious, you know, one of yeah. them was like telling me about his religious yada yada. And then uh, I just remember this conversation I had with this guy. It was right after Trump got elected, and he was like. You know, I don't support him. I didn't vote for him. But um, then he started to tell me, you know, he yeah. didn't take a paycheck. And they really that is like, like a respect huge, it. Yeah, they, I think it's a thing that a lot of like conservative grifters do because they really convinces yeah. their fucking fans that like this means I really care yeah. or whatever about what I'm doing, which is like dumb. He's already got a bunch of money and he's like the president. I mean, you don't need money when you're the president. Um, I'm sure Trump. Okay, but but what? How do you explain the, this like suspension of disbelief that happens when, like, for example, one of the things that I am aware of, even though I didn't watch this year's Super Bowl, is that one of the ads was for like a Christian evangelical church. Yeah, it was for Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this church, whatever it was, this mega church paid twenty million dollars for an ad. This institution, which does not pay taxes, 
under the auspices of being a religious institution has enough money to buy a Super Bowl ad. How does any person, because presumably there is an overlap between I support small businesses and I'm a Christian and I like Rihanna, honestly, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there has to be a fucking overlap there. How do you justify that in your head that you respect Rihanna for not taking a paycheck to get exposure, but you also respect this church for taking their parishioners' money to pay $20 million for an ad on a Super Bowl to advertise what? Jesus? <laughs> Does Jesus need advertising? I don't know, man. I, I don't know how to fucking like explain the various contradictions in liberals are hard enough the right wing it's like you hate <laughs> yeah. the state but you love cops what the fuck are you yeah talking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly like you love fetuses but you also love the death chambers or whatever how yeah. does it i don't understand <laughs> fucking Marin went through all of this in that fucking stuff. yeah <laughs> He had a really good joke about uh, I'm not even gonna spoil it. His abortion shit was really good. But yeah. He also, he also uh, or he had part of it was he just went, why aren't more? Why don't men care about this? Like, why aren't men like angry about these uh, Christian fascists? Yeah. Uh, he said, if you have any game at all, you've paid for two of these things, which is a very Marin line. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, Christian fascists. You know, I don't. So I also yeah, like kind of wanted to compare rihanna to something though because like uh mm-hmm. i thought I, I you know i don't think she's cool i don't fucking uh like the fact that she's a billionaire and i don't care that she's a black billionaire that doesn't qualify it in any fucking way for me um but i the show was good i thought like i just con- as consuming it um it was a good it, yeah and like you can fucking only like like really 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 subversive like anti-capitalist art you can do that and you won't have a very good time with art in the modern world like i just watched it and i was like this is a fucking pop music thing it's it sucks in a lot of ways but there's just like technical beauty to it okay great right um like a dali painting is the way that i always try to say it yeah like just imagine that the artist is on acid they don't know what the fuck they're talking about they're just (laughs) making something beautiful (laughs) it's really it's really sad that like um art can be so many things and this one specific distortion of it is like 99 yeah. of it just because of the phase of history and everything that we live in like mm-hmm. people don't even understand there could be all these different fucking things but we get the same thing over and over again because it's the one that fits into the shape of mode of, mode of production and stuff like that um but anyway um that's where we're at and that's how i maintain uh that that's how i work a bar shift and DJ for nine hours a day without uh, limiting myself to only crass or whatever. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to allow myself to uh, consume things um, because otherwise there's no music. Uh, yeah. And so I kind of want to relate to this, to what's going on with this fucking Harry Potter video game, because okay. I have complex thoughts here <laughs> i was thinking about it oh a God, lot are you are you playing it are you one of these fucking people playing it jake no absolutely not okay. um okay. and if i did i would lie to you right now and say i'm not <laughs> <laughs> good for you at least would, you know what the right answer is <laughs> i would never tell a soul <laughs> but i'm not i swear that yeah. was a joke and i'm not even though it's impossible mm-hmm. to prove it wasn't um but like <laughs> but uh i at first before 
the events of online and the discourse happened, mm-hmm. you know, post game coming out. I was telling people, um, I don't think that consumption is politics in this specific way. And uh, I don't think playing or not playing a video game like is uh, is is political. And the the fact that everyone is trying to make this a thing is it seemed like lib bullshit to me. I yeah. turned around precisely because it became so much of a thing that exactly a it organically formed into a boycott um and b uh it ruined the game for me i don't think i'd be able to play it like without thinking about this which is very effective and i want to say kudos to people yelling on the internet because that actually fucking worked um but my first point uh is that a lot of liberals don't understand that um, I think that they feel like they're doing a what's called a boycott in like labor terms when they say like, oh, we discovered that um, this company is owned by someone who uses slave labor or is racist or is Chick-fil-A or whatever. Right. Well, what they're doing is epistemological deplatforming. Sort of uh, yeah. a boycott. Yeah. Technically in labor terms i think is called by the workers of something so you as the consumer saying like we're all going to do this thing is very unorganized and if it's unorganized it doesn't do anything it just makes you feel like you're doing something which is the egg thing i always talk about so that's dumb and also like um you know when do you stop like often uh workers will boycott or uh, ask for a boycott and then tell you to start buying from Amazon again because they're trying to manipulate the wheels of production to fucking, you know, they want to lose all their jobs and shit like that. Yeah. But um, that's not happening here. However, I do think that if you, if, if using Twitter in its current form to make this such a massive culture war wave turned into a thing that clearly affected the company because they like made a trans character to try to like um satiate like the yeah. yelling at them it like didn't work it's bad and terrible or whatever and so uh i you know i'm i'm pro this specific thing but i really wish that people don't didn't lose sight of the fact that um this this thing where you specifically don't consume one millionaire or billionaire's things because they are also personally a bad person isn't the point. Uh, consumption of, you know, of, of somebody who made another video game and isn't personally an asshole, but is still just on the fucking face of things exploitive by nature of being the CEO of a company. Who made it? Yeah, exactly. And like, that doesn't make that okay. Yeah. Okay, when, but... Go ahead. No, I I totally agree with you. Um, And maybe this is to add to your point, but like, okay, as an outsider to the gaming world, right? What I saw happening was, uh, weirdly, and you and I often talk about like, I guess, like, what is the role of the person who is just like commenting on something or like, you know, I guess like podcasters and media news people are we responsible for what we're platforming whatever like is it really a big deal but like with this harry potter game i feel like from the outside i didn't see so many like gamers being like i love this game i must play this game or i love harry potter i must play this game instead of what i saw was people who already had a public platform that depends on clicks and subscriptions and shit 
purposefully diving into something that was already marked as a dangerous territory to then play the fucking uh, devil's advocate role of like, well, I'm I'm going to review this game for my fucking YouTube channel of fucking 500,000 people or a million people because it's already out there. It doesn't mean that I'm like pro turf shit or whatever. And it's like, dude, you like you didn't have to engage with this game. You didn't have to like bring it up. You only you only made it a thing because you know that it has uh, potential to be picked up for being controversial or whatever, right? Uh, and then, like, the fact that the company made this uh, trans character, I think, is, like, they, yeah, sort of a cope, the way that you're saying, where they're, like, uh, the people who work at a company are not necessarily, like, the ones doing the work, just, like, at a Nike, at Nike making the shoes, they are not responsible for the words coming out of the mouth of the figureheads. <laughs> you know, they're like, ah, oh, we're just trying to like make a good thing, I guess, so I can get my paycheck. And one of the things that I saw was that one of the developers on the game made a thread where he was saying like, you know, don't use the idea that you need to support this game in order to support developers because developers, we already got paid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he was like, you know, and uh, some of us already feel like shit for even having participated in working on this, but we have families and we like have to do, you know, like we have to take the job, which again is another cope, right? But is like uh, a a really like honest pointing to like any of these excuses that you're making for yourself for like wanting to play this game, buy this game, support this game. They're all some form of coping with you wanting to engage with something controversial because as you kind of joked at the top of this segment is like you could just fucking buy the game and play it and enjoy it and shut the fuck up about it and not ever tell anybody about it and and have a great fucking time but the fact that you feel like you have to go on a public platform and defend it and be like uh she's a turf but the game is pretty good dude what are you doing what is the point of you putting any of your cachet behind this person? Yeah. Um, oh, man. I don't know. I have so many thoughts about this. You just forgive me for paragraphs. Yeah, no, please. Yeah, go. <laughs> I mean, one of the one of the explanations there is that some people that are like materialist reductionists will tell you that art doesn't do anything. And so then yeah. it doesn't matter how many people I tell that I play this game. I don't think that's true. I think fucking this podcast probably doesn't think that's true. Like we talk yeah. about that all the time, you know, art uh, does things. We live in a culture war society and shit. We don't have lives. Yeah. We just have movies. We throw at each other and shit. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do think that's true. Um, I Also, you can't, there could be a lot of people doing exactly what you're describing. You wouldn't be able to tell because they wouldn't be talking about it. I don't know. I don't fucking know if that's true. Uh, I kind of tend to think it isn't uh, because everyone's fucking online and no one can shut up, but Twitter isn't everyone. Um, But there's also this thing. Another facet of this that I'm stuck on is that I do like Harry Potter shit, uh, which is dumb, I know, but people like dumb things, and I have real, like, reasons for liking it. Uh, I I was a, 
I was a little kid uh, at one point in my life, and I like you know just ran away for a little bit because I was from stupid broken home yeah. shit. And I fucking picked up one of those books at my friend's house, and it just really helped me escape some stuff. And I like fantasy nerd shit, and uh, I read all the books, you know, and fucking had a great time. And uh, there was an era when Christians hated Harry Potter, so it was kind of cool. And, I remember. Uh, you know, and like there was this era where like um, there's this thing called Harry Potter core where people would form like um, like battle of the band style hardcore bands and name them after obscure characters. And you'd like battle your bands against each other. It was just a weird subculture we don't talk about anymore because this turf shit came out. And there's this thing happening. She with... ruined it. <laughs> she really did. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's this thing happening. And this is why I said I had a good time watching Rihanna like specifically to cross this here is that um we're a lot of people are engaging in the idea that the game is bad because she's horrible and i've hadn't played it i have i'll never know but i don't think that's true and i think it's important to kind of related to the writing of or development of the game right well that's actually another big reason i feel okay not playing it is that she kind of was apparently because um there's She's such a vindictive, fucking stupid, aggrieved conservative that like um, there's like a guy who she casts as a voice actor who's like canceled for legitimate reasons because he's fucking abusive or something and hasn't worked on a thing in 15 years. And she fucking hired this guy to make a point like she did stuff like that. She has been they really bad libel laws in the UK. So like uh, you can really get in trouble for like fucking you know saying someone's an asshole on the internet or whatever yeah. and like there's this fucking per- this trans person that had to post a thing that said like i formally apologize for oh say characterizing miss rowling is as a the uk sucks but um she's been going after people as a nazi sh- she's a nazi i just said it oh my god yeah for, why not she's a Voldemort, <laughs> yeah. right there's nazis yeah. in the thing and she doesn't realize she yeah. is them. it's insane also talking that's another thing you know the villains are fucking the coolest thing in any story in any pop culture yeah. thing right i have a tattoo of a thing from harry potter because there are cool villains in it and yeah. like they if you read it inside out they're actually the fucking cool ones and it's part of having like this uh so like there's this they're called the death eaters and they're these like dark occult wizards who all uh you know went down the the left hand path or whatever and like they have a tattoo that they all ritually put on each other and it like heats up and stuff and like starts burning when shit is happening. It's like this crazy Ooh. occult thing. And I got it in my 20s because the Harry Potter was still edgy back then. And it was kind of funny. And I, I didn't I didn't want to get a children's thing, you know, that uh, that fucking uh, clearly displayed on my body. So I had a friend of mine. I told her, like, make it look like fucking 80s metal album art. And she made it look awesome. And I was like, the point is the point being here. It doesn't automatically read like that. So the only other people that will catch it are other nerds, which is a metaphor <laughs> for being in an underground secret society. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's the fucking Or being bit. Jewish, maybe. <laughs> also for being a fucking sex freak, which I was Yeah, totally. Yeah. I was like, I need a metaphor for this to help me feel like uh, Or I guess like being queer, right? Or trans or whatever. She's Yeah, I mean those I that's I think there's a huge overlap there, you know, which is like why the I mean one of my theories with like the Wachowskis and why they made the Matrix, like the secret underworld is a bunch of people wearing leather and shit, is because like fucking have FetLife pages and go to 
weird totally. parties and shit, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, but so that, like, I don't care whether you think the thing is objectively good or bad. I'm telling you a story about how, it, to me, it really was good. <laughs> and it sucks yeah. to fucking to go through this. And I'm doing this as a favor for people who are being actively oppressed on an extra level by a capitalist you know yeah. not she's not just a capitalist she's a fucking fascist at this point right yeah um, no. it's also been really frustrating though because i'm like i know a bunch of these people fucking listen to podcasts that hate me and shit and i want to go can, is, can we do ethical consumption with that too and it's like no we're doing it specifically for this thing but you know what <sighs> i'll be a bigger person here and just go you know you're right but you know i don't no, I think you're uh, I think you're doing it right. I mean, I guess, look, I'm uh, obviously a few years older than you. And so I missed the Harry Potter thing by like a few years. Like I went to see the first movie when it came out in the theater with a few girlfriends and it was fine. You know, it's like, OK, cute. The but movies I, like, didn't get good until like the third one. Yeah. And so I just like never I think I even read a couple of books after watching the first movie. And I still was just like, nah, man, this is not for me. Yeah. So I just think I missed it. And so it was fine. But um, one of the things that this happened for me with was, uh, wait, what was it? Fuck, I just blanked out on what I was going to tell you. Oh, Ayn Rand. Okay, let okay, me make a real, <laughs> let me make a real confession right here. So maybe Ayn Rand is my JK Rowling. Okay. Right? Because picture me. As little... I also have Ayn Rand. So <laughs> I've got yeah. of these. Yeah, right. yeah. No, you might feel this too. Yeah, which is like, okay, so I'm like a little baby immigrant to America, right? And I like constantly picture me in middle school. I constantly go get like get sent to detention and get my books taken away because I'm reading novels during other classes like during chemistry I'm reading novels yeah. <laughs> and the teachers get mad because like you're not supposed to be doing that so I in middle school they made us read Anthem by Ayn Rand you did yeah. you read Anthem I think I've read it like a long time ago Anthem's a shorter one that is uh about like I think I haven't even read it since middle school but it's about like a a person that lives in a society where you just get like assigned a job and you have a number and whatever right and you like do this work so I was like this is pretty good and dark <laughs> and I feel the darkness in this let me go like read more of this person's shit so I go and I read um Atlas Shrugged okay and I read Atlas Shrugged Jake and when I read it to me, it was one of the most wonderful books I read. Like, it was one of the first great books I ever read in my life. In which what I read from it was sort of like the American dream bullshit, right? The, like, the immigrant's dream story of, like, you, which I think I shared with stupid-ass Ayn Rand, who came from Russia, <laughs> right? Yeah. Of, like, if you come to America... And you work really hard and you can show your merit and you can show that you're intelligent, then you will earn your way up to things and you can show that you will be one of these producer people. So when I read this story from Atlas Shrugged, which basically says that there's only two kinds of people in the world, the ones who produce and create and the ones who are um, parasites who live off of the people who produce and create. And when I read it, to me, it was like artists the workers, the immigrants, like those are the producers and the creators. And the parasites are the people who don't actually do any of the work 
but sort but somehow still become millionaires off of our work right yeah and then i like grow up more <laughs> and i learn <laughs> of literary criticism and i learned that ayn rand is actually like a horrible human who had a full-on society uh, dedicated to anti-communist shit and like pro-capitalist shit. And that what she actually intended by this book that I thought was extremely inspirational was that it's actually the working class who are the parasites who never ever like create new things or progress humanity in any direction. And they just live off of the, the fucking ingenious, I guess, ideas of people like Elon Musk, right? Right. And it was devastating, Jake, to like learn <laughs> that something I thought was like inspirational and I read maybe as a dumb young idiot, I don't know. I was like, "Oh, this is awesome." It had like a woman as a main character, if you recall, right. Atlas Shrugged. Like it was like really um on the face of it faking you out with progressivism with yeah. like representation with capitalism as an achievable goal i don't know why she doesn't get brought up more when we talk about like having uh yeah like uh people in america who are like from cuba and who are yeah. super anti-communist and we go like well look you know they're uh the the all Latinos hate che, uh, fucking Che or whatever you yeah, know. Yeah, no, only the Ayn Rand Latinos hate Che. <laughs> yeah, it's a distorted view that you have because you're like yeah. talking to other people in America and you're not yeah. in Cuba or something like that. So she's mm -hmm. like a, she's she's like a Russia gusano. She's fucking because mm -hmm. uh, she fucking came over from there. She's a crank about yep. the society she came from and she has like uh, theories about it that are fucking wrong. Um, man, okay, let me tell you my Ayn Rand story. Um, yeah. I also read her for a little bit, but I, uh, I, 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 I dropped her pretty quick. But the reason I read her, though, is pretty similar to what you're talking about, which is that my sister, right? My older sister, when I was growing up, um, she, she I was her younger brother. So I was kind of influenced by stuff she was into because uh, she just had access to more of the world than me. And she like dated a lot of dudes and hung out with these guys from school. And I. Mm -hmm went to school with black and brown people and shit yeah. and like uh she was hanging out with these fucking guys i think a lot of them were like fucking gusano types but like specifically i remember these nicaraguan dudes and because she would always do an impression of this one guy because he would always say this stuck in my head forever because it was a funny thing that happened or whatever we would always do impressions of him he would always say back in nicaragua you know and then when he would <laughs> whine about how something was better back in nicaragua so we always do it you know <laughs> but it t I, i'm glad the joke like that was funny and it stuck in my head because it made me realize something later in life she fucking passed me ayn rand books around that same time and i think she got them from those dudes yeah. and those dudes loved saying back in nicaragua things were better because they left nicaragua because their shit got expropriated because yeah. they were the anti-communists. The rich folks, yeah. Right, exactly. And yeah. so that's why that shit seeped its way into my world. And I read it and think not understanding that. I had no context for that Same. when I was a kid. Yeah. And then I just read it. And it, it's a somewhat effective propaganda. And I remember yeah. I didn't read that much of her fucking uh, novels. I read her like theory and she had a book. Oh, called that's the worse. I can't believe it. Yeah. I, should have I tried reading it later to be like, oh, maybe there's something salvageable there. And it's not. 
<laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so bad. I read a yeah. book called The Virtue of Selfishness, which oh, is like God. insane. But I think she put she made the title that to make it a hot take or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I was into it for the minute I was reading it because I had no context for anything. But I'm kind of glad I read it because later on when I read uh, better shit, it provided context for like what the far right is and how it thinks. And that's how I became an angry anti-fascist adult. Um. So I'm kind of glad I read her shit, but like, yeah. but I don't still like her. And to get back to the JK Rowling thing of like the Harry Potter content, um, I don't think that like uh, her novels are like um, necessarily good or that they correlate in the same way with as, as um, I don't think that Ayn Rand's novels artistically correlate the same way as what JK Rowling puts out, because I think Ayn Rand's novels are explicitly political. And so like the fact that they have bad politics kind of makes them bad, unless you're a real freak and you're like, I understand their politics are bad, but I love Shut her up. characters or something. Right. It's possible. Shut up. Oh, it but- is. You can like it for its aesthetics. I like it for the aesthetics. Oh. Like the... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm Shut talking up. <laughs> yes. No, yeah. I'm going to make this argument where like, um, if you can argue that you like, you can like this turf bitches fucking shit. Cause you like fucking magic shit. That's this, like, uh, liking Ayn Rand, all of her novels are, they are, uh, post-apocalyptic futurism, uh, sci-fi you understand me like they do fall in the same category as octavia butler yeah yeah so it just happens to be that her politics are bad worse than octavia butler's octavia butler's are better but not perfect (laughs) right so yeah i agree to me it's sci-fi that doesn't have good politics absolutely i mean that's what i was getting at ultimately yeah i deviated for a second to get there because i was uh, maybe maybe on some level think shit like folk music or something is maybe i don't know it it, maybe art can be fixed fixed to its politics but it isn't necessarily but anyway like okay great example you like the aesthetics i mean fucking art deco and all that shit that shit looked cool yeah i'm from miami (laughs) so imagine goth from miami totally (laughs) equals ayn rand aesthetics come on (laughs) okay so this reason i'm explaining this is to get to a point about the harry potter shit where it's like we're doing this thing where we say uh, that because she sucks, the aesthetics of the game suck and it has no value and all this stuff. And I think it's bullshit. And I think it's important to understand that that's bullshit because uh, that. if that were true, if art necessarily co- correlated like that with its morality, you could work backwards and find that the stuff you like the most must be made by the most moral people. If you don't like someone's art, that means they're like a criminal like it doesn't make any fucking sense right and uh i a thought experiment i like to do from time to time is imagine what the world would be like if um if jk rowling had good politics because uh i think she would be treated a lot like susan (laughs) sarandon or something oh where people would be like she's so corny they would be they, they would just be like stop attacking her her movies she's a sweet old lady and she makes like stuff that's cool or like get that bag for example like what we Mm -hmm. do with fucking rihanna you know um because like susan sarandon is like she's cool she's like a birdie bro she owns businesses she's a fucking uh capitalist too you know she's just like a social democrat capitalist who's like you know vaguely for some reforms did you see about megan the stallion i was gonna bring this up to you no what's her deal Oh, so Megan the Stallion um, bought 
Popeyes, or I guess like I want to say like, <laughs> like I say like maybe like a major stock in it or something. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. And part of the reason that she did it and what she has stated as her purpose is that she is like, I grew up in neighborhoods where you couldn't get healthy food, like, but you could get Popeyes all the time. So like I grew up eating Popeyes. So part of my goal now is I'm going to like try to change the menu at Popeyes to provide healthier foods. Damn, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> right, exactly, Jake. And so I bring it up because it is what you're saying. It's Susan Sarandon shit. It's fucking Iron Man shit where you're like, Okay, so maybe your politics are kind of good, but you're still now a fucking billionaire business owner who is sort of painting like greenwashing shit, like you're doing things for the benefit of your community. But is I agree with you. However, I was just making a joke about how much I love Popeye's fucked up menu when I said that. (laughs) I do love Popeye's. I wouldn't change a thing about it. Yeah. No, you're right though. Yeah, she's doing woke capitalism and like uh yeah. and she's still gonna be scraping all that surplus value off the top of it, right? Like exactly. unless she isn't, which would be a cool thing to do with it, but she's not gonna turn it into she's a fucking She's not gonna co-op. give it away. Yeah. Yeah. It's not gonna happen. Yeah. Uh yeah. I love this. I love that every time I'm like, Jake, I don't I'm so tired from work, I don't have anything to talk to you about. We end up having an excellent conversation. We, uh, I never feel the need to prepare a podcast anymore. There's always stuff like this. Just I do, around. man, because not I'm not a fucking little performer person like you guys <laughs> who's just like ready to be heard. I'm like, look at what happened to me. Literally, I have an opinion last week. And then five minutes after I fucking hit stop on the recording, I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I just said George Lopez is cool. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> I was like, God damn it. You can't vouch for anybody in this fucking business. I tried. <laughs> Uh, kind of not. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I know. It's tricky as a performer, though, because yeah. you want to be careful not to vouch for someone who sucks, but also you don't want to do the, you don't want to be George Lopez and you not be vouch George for Lopez. Anyone. Exactly. You want to totally. fucking pick up the right people, but it's fucking yeah. really important to distinguish who that is, and it fucking sucks when you're wrong. And I guess it's really important to admit when you're wrong and to uh, or like even not even admit that you're wrong but like provide all the information which is like you know i'm still gonna say i i think george lopez made a better sitcom with this last one than he has before or like it shows growth and it sucks if what he's doing is uh showing a more progressive version of himself because he thinks that'll sell but in his real life he's not living that that sucks that's all i can do is admit that i can't speak for who the real person is based on my judgment of their art right uh but that's why i like having these conversations with you because i don't i think we exist in gray areas and we accept that and we are also confident enough to have our opinions but secure enough to recognize when we have to have a caveat to it or retract what we said before or grow from what we said before right yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that you're you you're a human being with an ego that doesn't want yeah. ever to process that, but like yeah. clearly it's true, you know. I think about I was thinking about that a lot today because I was just thinking about how much I've learned since I started like podcasting, especially like my other show, and how like you could do a, a you know you could easily dig up old shit I've said and be like you're an idiot, and then I'd be like yeah. yes, that's me in the past, <laughs> like and I've learned since then, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. that's the whole point. And I do podcasting to learn. It's not a show where I'm like here's a bunch. Of, I'm an authority, and here's a bunch of stuff I already knew. It's like 
working no, out. Frankly, that's hard. why I like a lot of comedians, why I like you and a lot of standups that I really love um, is because of that, because I admire your, uh, I guess, like courage. I don't know, in uh, exposing yourselves in that way and in being vulnerable enough to. That's why re-evaluate. I admire Louis C.K. No, he's, that's why he fucking himself. lost it, man. I was Imagine. making a joke about him exposing himself. Ugh, <laughs> I, know, I, I stepped on his fucking... That's all right. This is not really that good of a joke. I didn't sell it. An example right. of how I'm not a performer, and Jake <laughs> is. And okay, that's the end. Jake, do you want to plug anything? <laughs> um, Hang on. I want to uh, oh, articulate. Another, yeah, but, yeah, no, I just I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, like, this thing we always argue about on here is, like, and it became the discourse of the week is ethical consumption. And I kind of think that like, I think where I'm at with it is that you should try to ethically consume as much as possible, but there is a line and you just have to admit that you're a human being and you have a line. And that's kind of the most, the best way to live because you can't do the entire nihilism thing where you're like, well, I don't give a shit. I'll just consume anything. I guess you can. I mean, it's very invoked. I think you're right. But I think you're right. And I, I would actually say, like, everybody does have a line. It's just that not everyone is aware of where their line is enough to vocalize why they would defend that line. And that is what I think you should be able to do. You should be able to to say critically and logically as a fucking grown up human, why is your line here? As opposed to why is my line here? I can explain to you why my line is where it is. Jake can explain to you why your line is why his line is where it is. If you can't and you just fall back on like, well, funny is funny. Well, I've always liked this guy, like without engaging at all in criticizing where this is coming from, comparing it to the rest of the culture, thinking about it in terms of fucking everyone else who's hearing this, any of it, then you're not like your opinion doesn't matter to me. It's not actually engaging in anything. I'm getting like a lot of this in my head because I like to do thought experiments. And one of them that I was doing recently was thinking about um, people that are like friends with me, but they listen to like the Legion of Skanks who were, God damn it, man. Uh, I'm going to have to watch this Tucker Carlson thing and uh, talk <laughs> about it. But like they're on that, this Tucker Carlson comedy documentary special thing or whatever he's putting out. And, uh, oh, and thinking yeah. about how those people rationalize their consumption of that. And I'm in a similar situation, I think. it's like a parallel where trans people are asking you not to consume jk rowling's shit and you're going um well i just want to you know and so to feel the way that person feels i think is helping me understand why i should be a better person to that person like i can empathize here and go Oh, people rationalize to me that a person who fucking wants to kill me or whatever the fuck wants bad things for me, uh, you know, they still are going to consume their shit because of, oh, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism or like I can be friends with both of you or whatever the fuck. And like that is kind of what got me around to like, I should not buy this video game because then I'm just I'm the person that makes me furious all the fucking time. And that's yeah you know, a good way to understand things is to like put yourself in other people's shoes and shit. Okay. I feel. I think I feel you're right. And I agree with you because, um, the fact that I have kept Ayn Rand's books, I don't know anybody that was personally hurt by Ayn Rand. <laughs> and so 
I don't like if it was like I know like if she had gone after trans people, I know trans people. She hasn't. I guess I don't know. Like she went after all of the working classes. I guess right. I well, when it's that abstract, <laughs> that's the thing is, it's, yeah, it's alienated. So like yeah. I meet all the time because I don't have to look at them kill the cow. You know. Yeah, exactly. Or if it's Ayn Rand, it's like she didn't punch my best friend in the face. She just abstractly yeah. affected all this stuff. So it's just cope, you know? (laughs) I know. So we're not all perfect. Um, And I I like that because I, you know, I never want to come off like I'm like, oh, I'm a perfect consumer of media and art and I'm telling everyone else how to do it. I'm certainly not. I love a lot of crap. I I love a lot of things made by bad people. I am constantly wrestling with that idea of like, how do you separate the art from the artist? Should you? Can you? All of that shit depending on when you talk to me and what I just saw and what I just consumed, I'm going to have a different take because I'm constantly turning it over. I don't have an answer for you on those things. Um, I think it's maybe just what I'm meant to think about for the rest of my life. And I love engaging with other people who just want to think about that for the rest of their lives. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Right. We don't, I, I, we can't claim an answer, Jake. We can only try to do our best for ourselves and, I don't know, try to see, like, maybe influence other people a little bit to try to do good on their own. Not exactly like us, but take in our words and try to do better. I don't know. I don't know either. And this is where it gets really confusing is you go, is there a point to any of this? Once you realize how (laughs) little control you have over everything. I don't know. But uh, for some reason, I keep doing it. Yeah, I like it. I'm not sure. I know exactly. Good luck to all of us. I guess. I Uh, well, I think that if I was just to recklessly consume and know, kind of know, it was unethical. I part. I think that does eat at you, kind of, but unconsciously, and you feel better when you don't. When you know you're kind of not doing it. I don't know. Maybe that's wishful thinking. No, I agree. Um, look, uh, next time we talk, I am actually reading a book about um, the cultural Cold War and about how a lot of the thinkers and artists that we like were actually like underwritten by the CIA. Oh, yeah, and that's true. Sad. Yeah. And a lot of people don't believe I'm it. I'm learning Those extremely huge. sad things. Yeah, I'm learning very sad things. So we're going to talk about that. But another thing that I was going to suggest to you is, have you seen um, The Banshees of Ina Sheeran? Everyone brings this up to me. I have not seen it. Check it out. And let's talk about it because I kind of think it's related to what we're talking about in the sense of like um, one character in the movie is living for uh, trying to like leave a mark upon the world with his art. And another character is living for like just being a good person. And isn't that good enough? Even though maybe you won't be remembered forever. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a really interesting beautiful sad weird movie about art and friendship that i think we should talk about okay i will watch, put it on the list we'll talk about it yeah i'll watch okay. it if you watch perfect blue i will watch perfect blue even though i fucking can't believe you're gonna make me watch animation oh i'm God. sorry i know you hate it but i think you'll like the movie no you know it's the kind of thing that I, once i start watching it, i'm like i don't i do like this but it never occurs to me to watch animation that's how i feel about every movie and every book i read yeah, where you're I, like, oh, I'm enjoying it once I started. It's like working out, right? <laughs> yeah, I hate starting things. Yeah, but then once yeah I started, same. Like, well, I exactly. It. Think about it for the rest exactly. of 
All right, well, let's wrap up. Um, I'm going to plug this time. Um, Union Pool, Claro Kane, and Emily Panic host a great show, and Jake is going to be on it, as well as Joe Firestone, Jay Jordan, a bunch of other amazing people. Uh, it is Union Pool on 226 at 8 p.m. Just go to the Union Pool website to get tickets. It's 10 bucks. They have a taco truck. It's a great hang. I'll be there, too. Uh, anything else you want to plug, Jake? Yeah, I want to plug that. And then also, I'm on some town hall with Kristen Gonzalez on March 4th. It just got moved to. I don't know. It'll be on my Twitter. Ooh, awesome. Check the pin tweet. And uh, yeah, join our Patreon if you want to talk to us, yell at us, whatever. Uh, okay, we love you. Bye. Why are you mad? Why are you mad?